I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps, a book club podcast. Well, the way this one ended, it's like, it's such a cliffhanger. It's like the Game of Thrones style cliffhanger. I'm worried to even read the next book because of how that one might end. It's going to end in like the middle of a boss fight. <laughs> yeah, it's for been real. like seven years since the last book. It's like, okay, I don't know if I want to de- dedicate yeah. my time to these guys. Like the boss fight and we're going to be like, is it Locke's girlfriend or whatever? Sabatha, yeah, yeah, she shows up again. She, but she's the bad guy that we're fighting in this one. So, and then it's like she has to be right. But then that's where because the, but then that's where the Jean episode. lost his lady. And then, the, but it ends before we resolve anything. Oh right, yeah. So it's a super cliffhanger. Mm. Ugh, that basically happened in a Stephen King book, like in uh, the Dark Tower series. One of the books ended with a cliffhanger in like the middle of the boss fight. I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> These fans must have lost their shit, right? For real. Yeah, but. I don't know. I guess the reason I was mostly asking is because we, we tried to get ahead with these recordings and then uh, we both end up just like falling behind. And it's not because the book's not good, because every time I read it, I love what's going on. Like there's yeah. so much action. It's really good. It's fun. It's a fun adventure. But I just keep falling behind. Like it's I don't know why it's hard for me to just like get into their world. But then when I'm in there, I, I like listen to the audiobook all day and I get really excited. And I wanted to re-listen to the fight on the boat where we lose uh, Jean's lady. Yeah. Because I honestly forgot what heroic thing she did. I just know she saved us. Like, she's the reason we didn't lose that fight. They they had some weird alchemical, like, heat stone Mm. thing. It was like a grenade. (laughs) I I guess effectively is what it ended up being, but it was like a napalm grenade. Mm Mm-hmm. And it would just like sink into the ship and then blow up at some point and spread the flames. And then, you know, that gets into, you know, whatever, like powder stores and stuff like that. And then everything's just going to burn. Do you identify as that character, Will? As the Since character the that throws napalm, napalm yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. What was her name? Esri. Esri. It was awesome. But why did she die from that? Because she caught on fire holding oh, it. Oh, that sucks. Okay. Yeah. That's why she was like a charred corpse. <laughs> okay, I forgot that part. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It was pretty brutal. I wasn't expecting it. It makes sense for Jean to lose the girl because... He's the main character alongside Locke, but Locke is like the main character. Yeah, and we even lost though we spend like fairly equal time in John's head in this book. You know, they might both be the main character because I it's the gentleman are. bastards. It's not. Yeah. And the first book happened to be the lies of Locke Lamora, but that's who we met, and he's the one. He's their Harry Potter. He gets him out in a pinch, but maybe he's the main character. I guess. I think that he is. I think he just kind of is like by it. default. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be a main. I think main. people that, but that's from like a purely analytical standpoint. Not by like a deserving or a, you know, depth of character metric or anything like that, but just like looking at the book and thinking if there is one main character, who is it? It's Locke. Yeah. But Jean is obviously as important and that's why we spend as much time in his head as we do Locke's or, you know, near enough time. Yeah, that's why, like, everything he said to Locke was so impactful. Like, he listened to everything he said. It wasn't just, like, a fight with a subordinate. <laughs> like, he right, just doesn't yeah. understand the, mm-hmm. the mission. It's like it was a disagreement with his best friend that he went back and was like, oh, no, I'm wrong. Like, right. That was really cool, like, just going through them having their moment, like... I don't know, Locke almost fell in love with... He didn't fall in love with her, but he fell in love with the idea of Jean being in love, you know? Oh, right, yeah. He, Yeah, he loved that idea so much. I think he was almost willing to die for it, too. Like, that's the way he, he came off, at least, to Jean when he was talking to him at the end. Right. Like, I, I would have, like, I would never have let anything happen to her because it would have made it easier for us. Like, yeah. I don't know. Their friendship really came through. And, like, mm-hmm. I feel like in this last section, like, I teared up a few times with their conversations and, like, some of the stuff Locke was saying to him just about, like, 
hey, like I am happy for you. Like soak it up as much as you can because this is like right. Just like enjoy every moment because it's the best. Like, and I'm happy you're there. Like, I'm happy you're living mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, th- which could have been like a ooh foreshadowing, right? Yeah, <laughs> for real. We lost all our best friends in the first book. Like, we lost our entire crew except for the main guys. Yeah, and our main boys. I feel like I don't know. I mean, this might just be like a like a knee jerk reaction because I only just finished reading late last night. It, it sort of feels almost unnecessary that Ezri has to die. It's sort of like because we can't lose Locker Jean, right? We just can't. Not this early in the game. Maybe one of them goes towards the end of the series. Yeah, book four or five. But not like in book two. So we can't lose the two of them. And we lost half of the people that we liked. More mm-hmm. than half of the people that we liked. Uh, because book one, yeah. And, and so it was like people have to die, right? Is it sort of like... Someone. <laughs> Someone's Like a go. Game of Thrones situation where it's mm-hmm. like, man, we shocked the world by killing the main character right away. That means we got to kill everybody all the time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, burning every bridge. Right. <laughs> like, all, my, friend, all my friends truly are Truly nothing is sacred. <laughs> yeah. Except, like, the gods in this series are really sacred to everybody. They all have their yeah. own. It, it like, nobody seems... spurns the gods in any way whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that might be a theme for the books. Like, I don't know what the third book is titled, but we're going to deal with another one of the gods. Like, there was a god of the ocean that decided your fate. Yeah. And, uh... Like a god of everything. There's the god of thievery, the 13th, that, mm-hmm. like, is the unnamed god or whatever. It's like the secret god. Yeah, exactly. And the secret number. We just had a Friday the 13th. We should record it on that day. That would have been so... Um, woke. <laughs> woke. <laughs> no, that would have been lit, though, to hit it on Friday the 13th. I meant to text my buddy Frankie. Frank, Franka. Because <laughs> he always gets a Friday the 13th tattoo. Oh, that's a... Cause they're always cheap. I have it. Yeah, it is cheap. It's usually thirteen dollars. <laughs> yeah. So he's got like a ton on his leg. Huh. And he's got a story about all of them. That's which is interesting. Cool. But yeah, it's like his. What do you call it? Tradition. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> the word I wanted. His custom. Yes. His customary tradition. Um. Well, I'm trying to think of everything that happened. Like we left off in the last one where Jean and Locke were basically like on trial in front of the uh, one of the other ships. Oh, geez. You know, I, I'm not entirely sure because I didn't finish the section of reading that, uh, for last week. I was like 20 pages behind. Around there, though. Like, yeah, yeah I'm not sure. Well, they were already in the crew. They were already mm-hmm. with Drakasha. And I think that they had even already gotten off of the scrub watch. But didn't they have to deal with a new ship that came like right away? I don't know. They ended up sneaking in into port. They got Drakash on their team. Yeah. Told her everything that was going on. And then they went to prodigal port prodigal. Yeah. To talk to, I forgot his name every time. Well, they, uh, they need to go there to sell off all their loot. Right. Mm-hmm. And then get rid of the red messenger. Uh, and then Drakasha wants to bring the council of captains together. If enough of them are there. Yeah. And, you know, talk about what her plans are and, you know, what's going on. And so that's why they have to go back to Port Prodigal, to Port Prodigal regardless. But then Jean and Locke have to continue their mission, right? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's not in Port Prodigal, though. Well, it's, it's everywhere in the Ghost Winds. Oh. Their mission is to rile up the pirates and create a war for Stragos. Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking back to when they had to sneak in to go see him, go report. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they had. They had to do that a couple of times. Yeah. Because they can't come into Port because... They're pirates. <laughs> well, don't they, yeah. Don't they only do it twice? Like they go in, they tell them what's going on and then they leave and then they come back and then that's where all the, that's what, yeah, the, goes the down. night that yeah. everything happens. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and then they were like, hey, we told her what the plan was, but she can't betray you because of these. <laughs> it was it was interesting how they like kind of wrote off that it was okay that they told Jurakasha what their plan was. Wait, I'm sorry. When when they went to go report, who's the guy that they were reporting to the whole time that was Stragos. Uh, Stragos. When yeah, they were the reporting Archon. to him, Locke told him that he had to tell Drakasha, that's her name, right? The of the purple orchid. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't tell her he told her most of the plan, but he didn't tell Stragos that he yeah, had told he her. No, he didn't. He, yeah. He was just trying to explain why it's still okay she that knows. they are where they are, even though he lost the ship. Because that's what Stragos was so upset about. He was like, you lost the ship. Like, what are you going to do now? But he told him that she knows the plan, and that's, but it's to his favor because she's going to create this uprising in the, in the coast. Told her most of the plan. Maybe not everything. Because I remember him saying he didn't have to tell her everything, but he told her mostly what the plan was. Because he even said, like, I could make up a reason to lie, an excuse that we could be in port, but I figured I could just tell him the truth and it would be just as good as a lie, you know? And he told him the truth and he's like, I'm not happy that she knows what's going on, but I guess you're right. She can't really betray me. Oh, no, good. Because then her motivation is that she'll take off and then Stragos will wipe out all the other pirates and then she can come back and then Port Particle is all hers. That's her supposed motivation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now I remember. Yeah. No, yeah, you were right. I think he wrote it off too. Like she won't even be able to do that because like it it worked out for everyone's favor that it was just like, I was truthful to her, but she thinks she's going to do this. And then, but really we're all doing the, there's so much double crossing in this. It happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for something that we always reference, uh, oceans 11, it's a fun book. Like just to have all these like small little details that like, then they show you at the end, like, this is why it mattered. Right. I just watched oceans 11 last Wednesday. Nice, because of this book? Uh, no. Um, that was whenever I got over to Kenneth and Nikki's because I'm watching their house right now. And uh, we were just skimming through shit on Netflix to watch and Ocean's 13 came up. We were talking about it and then Kenneth played it. And I was like, well, if we're going to watch an Ocean's movie, it's going to be 11, not mm-hmm. 13. 13's garbage. Was it bad? Yeah. 12 was not good either. The only one that's good is 11. Yeah, I remember watching 12 and thinking like, yeah, this is okay. It just feels like 11 again, though. Yeah, it was like more of the same, but not as good. Yeah. <laughs> and mostly just because it wasn't, it didn't have the exact same original feel that Eleven had. Yeah, they were just like, let's get because the crew was the first together. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which the first one was like, let's pull everyone out of retirement. And we don't even know who they're grabbing. Right, yeah. That's what I want to happen in the ne- this next book. I want them to go to some port and be like, let's pull these boys out of retirement. They have to I keep to- skipping town. I don't know where it is that they're going to end up. They're, I mean, so next is like, we go to the Kingdom of the Seven Marrows or... Well, and John and Locke um, had to go train other Lashani places. On- and, or Lashane or whatever. Yeah, Lashane. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's got to be a place that they've been before under the the God of the 13 or whatever. Like under... Mm-hmm. under yeah, uh, whenever they were training chains. with chains. And, yeah. Or even just in the past for different reasons. Because we know that they've traveled abroad just for old jobs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we have to go somewhere else. And it seems we like can't they go back to connection. And they still can't go back to Kamor. They can't go back to Talvarar at this point. Yeah, and... We kind of are skipping how they got there, but we end up leaving on the boat and uh, Jean takes the antidote. So he's cured, but Locke is supposedly going to die. So it's like, now what are they going to do? Like, that's the cliffhanger we're left on. Right. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> are, are, is Jean to... just going to trick Locke into, into going somewhere where he thinks he can make up a medicine? I don't think that Jean would have to trick him into that. I think that well, Locke doesn't want to go there. He's like, I just want to be happy and like, let's do something fun. Yeah. And that's definitely what he's going for at the moment. But if Jean can come up with a good idea, like, hey, w- what if we go to this place that's only like a week away? 
Because the other ideas would be four weeks of life to have to go, you know, fucking to one of the next major kingdoms, like you know, the Seven Marrows or Lashane, or they obviously can't go to Carthane. That's where the Bonds Magi are. What if they go there because of the Bonds Magi? That'd be bold. Locke's just like, I'm gonna die anyways. Let's just go. Let's just go fuck them <laughs> up. Yeah. Let's make it a trilogy. <laughs> We're going out in this last book. Right. Except that we know there's supposed to be seven of them. Well, what if the intent was three? And then he's like, ah, I've got four more in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I have no idea even where this next series could go. It's just going to be. I think that's the point. Yeah. I don't think that anything. we're supposed to really be able to guess what the next adventure is. Each book is an adventure and additional clues about the thread of the Bonds Magi come in and out. Mm-hmm. What we gain from this one is. One, we know for sure that the Bonds Magi are going to chase after them forever at this point. Because when they first run into them, like at the night market, they're not expecting to. They're not thinking. Like, they know that they did what they did, but they weren't expecting the Bonds Magi to necessarily come after them. Yeah. They sort of thought they were like, they had skirted the rules because it was like, you can't (laughs) kill a Bonds Magi and live. Yeah. So they didn't kill him. They just like, you know, tortured him and ruined him. Oh, and someone knows Locke's real name. Well, that's just like whatever that weird creature out there in the brass sea was. Bonds Magi. <laughs> the, um, but so we know that the Bonds Magi are following them still. And then we also gain information about some large organization, whatever this organization that Moraine works for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she says at one point, you know, like, you know, my boss this and I just am helping Shragos because it seems to be going for our cause. And then at the end, we get half a section of a chapter from her perspective where she makes a move yeah. because she realizes that like Stragos is lost and she needs to get out of there and try mm-hmm. to kill everybody there because the people that are there knows she works for somebody else. Um, Ooh, and so yeah. she just wants to tie up loose ends or whatever. So whatever that organization is, is something that we now know about and we'll come back at some point. That's, I guess those are the two main things that we get from this one. Yeah. So hopefully more than just a couple of clues next one. Or whatever the main threat is. It's just the Bonds Magi, Magi Kappa Raza. Or wait, we did we kill him last time? Yeah, Raza he, or, yeah, yeah, Raza Barsavi. died. It was Barsavi that died. Too. It wasn't Kappa, Kappa Raza the one that was before killed him. Barsavi? I thought Raza killed Barsavi and then we kill Raza in the Bonds Magi. Oh yeah, that's, that sounds right. Well, who was Kappa when we left? I don't think anybody was. Oh, so what if, okay, what if it's like first book, guys are coming after him in a secret society. And then the Bonds Magi. And then who do we gain from this book? Well, whoever the people that Moraine works for is. Well, they're from book one. That's what I was no. saying. They were the... Uh... <laughs> no, I think Moraine's way bigger than Kamor. <laughs> I think that whatever yeah, her story is, is way bigger than that. She's like part of Locke's original family. <laughs> like Locke is part of a secret race of super thieves. Super thieves. What would be like unique about him? You know, what would be something that we could write into the book that would be like a unique trait of his? Because he's just... He's just like a genius. But only when he needs to be, it seems like. <laughs> like, he can come up with good plans, but it's never like... I don't know. Yeah, I guess he is a genius the way he, like, comes up with all these super multi-layered plans. Yeah. But he can do it so rapidly in, like, yeah. the heat of the moment that that's why. And it's always, like, the right call, even as risky as it is. Yeah, well, the story continues, right? So he's successful every time. Yeah. <laughs> or at least relative, relatively yeah. successful. Yeah, successful enough to survive these extremely dangerous situations over yeah. and over and over again. Well, dang, man. I'm trying to think of, like, what... So, with the chairs, 
I the chairs were not at all what I was thinking. I was so off on that. Yeah, I thought they were going to shoot the They were just smuggling out. devices. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. what made me think that they had some sort of, you know, disseminating structure inside, you know, mechanism or whatever, uh, was whenever Locke is showing the plans to the craftsman, mm-hmm. craftsman's like, these are very interesting designs. And then Locke's response is, oh, my master is just extremely afraid of fires. And so I thought, so... The chairs are supposed to be able to dispense water or something like that mm-hmm. into like a fire sprinkler system. But no, they were just for the treasure mules. that they got at yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then it wasn't even real. It was like the pirate girl got the treasure at the end, right? No, nobody got the treasure at the end. Oh, who had it? So oh, Drakasha and the orchid had what they had from Salon Corbo already. Mm-hmm. Which was, as they said, like more than enough for them to be good on, especially now that they lost half their crew in the fight against the Dread mm-hmm. Sovereign. Mm-hmm. And then the paintings that Locke stole from uh, this inspired dude from yeah. Rakeen yeah. ended up being reproductions because Rakeen yeah. was, I guess, smarter than him and put up the reproductions instead of the originals that he has in his vault. So Locke and Jean get like a 15th of what they thought they were going to get because they're still worth something. But, yeah. you know, they thought, they thought they were going to get like 30,000 and they got 2,000, I think is what mm-hmm. it came to. Okay, well, that's good. That's better than nothing. Yeah, I feel like it's enough to get them started on their next adventure, obviously. Like, we can't just have them loaded for the next book. That wouldn't be fun. It's only book three. Right. I would hate for the whole series to be that, though, where it's just like any game where you have all the stuff and then you're getting through the tutorial and then the story is like, oh, but then you were disgraced and you have nothing now. And you got to build back up to have all the shit that you had at the beginning of the game Banjo-Kazooie. and all the weapons and all the skills yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, you don't even have it all by the time you reach the end of the game, unless you were being a crazy 100 percenter. Mm-hmm. And then the next game in that same series is the same thing. And you're just like, OK, I get it. It's about starting over. Yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> we don't have to do it all the damn time. I would hate for this to be that if they have to, you know, be knocked down so far at the end of every book that they are sort of like, oh, we, we're back to having nothing, yeah. but we've done it before. We're going to start catching Started up. Started from mean, the bottom. Well, now we're here. We're going to get another member of the crew in the next book. I feel it. Like, I feel like we have to. Yeah. It's going to start building. I, we were like, since we didn't get one this book and we lost everybody in the first book, we got to start building our crew. Yeah. Our permanent members other than Jean and Locke. Yeah, it does seem like it would be odd for us to only have Jean and Locke as the consistent characters through mm-hmm. all seven books. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they will be there, but we may, we might lose Jean for a book, but he won't be dead. I think he'll just be gone. No. Yeah, I feel like they're inseparable. Sabatha, yeah. Well, I mean, he would be on a mission for their team. Like, Oh, like, yeah. I, see I have what you're to saying. go do like Gandalf going off to like yeah. I must go do research. More pressing matters away south. I don't know, man. It was just a bunch of it was a bunch of cool action scenes. I'm trying to think of everything that happened. I mean, they they ended up. We using spent a the lot cards. of time in other people's heads in this section. Yeah, we spent we a did. lot we of time around. in Drakasha's head. Mm-hmm. I think we spent a little bit of time at Ezri's. We spent some time in whatever his name was, the guy who was the captain of Dread Sovereign. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's just because there's so many moving pieces happening and they want us to see them coming into place yeah. rather than just like Jean looks backwards on the ship and says, is that oh the Dread gosh. Sovereign? Like, right, you know, yeah. like, we want to see it coming is the way that he wants to build up this, you know, climax. Suspense, yeah. Which I think is a, a good move in this situation. I think mm-hmm. it works very well. Yeah. 
But it's interesting because, you know, I made the comment last week, I think, that we got a weird section where we were in Stragos's head. And I was like, does that mean maybe he's like a good guy? Because even at that moment, he was sort of talking about how he just wants like the greater good. And he, you know, wants to save Telfarar because he believes in it. And he also really has like far seeing plans to get rid of the Bonds Magi and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, maybe he's like secret good guy, but like the good guy that we don't want to be friends with, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and then he totally turned and just like just got you know more and more just the desperate dictator kind of guy yeah. and then we get rid of him forever um, so that kind of was out the window and then especially since then also in the next section of reading we're just spending all this time in everybody's head yeah <laughs> so my whole like kind of like weird not weird theory but theory like oh what's going on here we haven't seen this before is totally out the window I was so wrong last week with the chairs and that <laughs> John had to stab his lady through the heart yeah, that was rough. Yeah, that sucked, dude. Yeah. I mean, I get why they said he, she had to do that. Like you said, she was burned to a crisp. She was dying. She yeah. was in pain. She was going to die no matter what. You can't save her. It's like, she's begging for this. It's like, God, dude. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> this sucks. That's super rough. That was a bummer. That was a real bummer. Game of Thrones all over again. <laughs> I'm just sad now. <laughs> I'm just sad now. <laughs> I think that we'll see Drakasha again at some point. She's yeah. the only person that we've left on friendly terms. Through this series. Everybody and, else that we were friendly with is dead. And she's nomadic. Yeah. And she's also, like, a criminal. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't Jean build up a little bit of a crew, like, in uh, Talavara? Or wait, where were we? They were in Velvarazzo, oh. which is just, like, a little settlement in the area of Talavara. Like, you know, it answers to them or whatever. Yeah, so we got a couple of canaries in the coal mine over there. Right? Yeah. Okay. And he's sort of just building up the crew. Because he just needed something to do because Locke was doing nothing. <laughs> But still, I mean, they'll remember him. They'll probably yeah, be like, I mean, oh, testament to our leader, John, who taught us everything we know. Yeah. If they bring them back, then that means it's like a, you know, rallying the forces at the end, at the final climax, you know, like you're going around and talking to all the people that you helped out in the video game before the final boss fight, and now mm. they're all on your side. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> like when Drakasha comes back, she, you know, she just comes in from the sea, like fucking Lafayette with the French coming to fucking save America's ass at the Battle of Saratoga. <laughs> in the end of A Wise Man's Fear, the last book of the King Killer that we just read where both was going on his tour of oh, yeah he's doing like the inverse of that yeah, yeah where he's like i'm gonna go see everybody before the book's over this is Thank everybody coming to save the day you know yeah it's like the the suicide mission in mass effect or you know what else everybody's showing up at the black gate and lord mm-hmm. of the rings and you know yeah. that kind of shit just a little cliche <laughs> yeah and and it might be too soon for that to happen but just the cliffhanger we're left on it's like and honestly, the, what we were just talking about earlier, how we hopped into everyone's perspective, it was probably one of the only ways you could make what would have been a, a, an extremely short scene from just like Jean and Locke's perspective. Yeah. That made it longer, more suspenseful, more detailed. And the space that we're dealing with is also much bigger mm-hmm. than where we were in the first book, which was just the city of Camor. Right. When all the action was happening, the characters were frequently running across the city inside like half an hour, 45 minutes to get to where the next plot point was, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The space was small, so it would make sense for things to just happen and for you to just miss things. But in this, for them to sail, you know, 3,000 or 5,000 miles mm. from Port Prodigal back to Talvarar, for us to go through all that. And then once we're there, just all of a sudden, the problem from where we just left a long fucking time ago just is also there with us. That yeah. would feel weird right. as opposed to like all they had to do is come three blocks down, you right. know? Uh, so yeah, that is the only way that he could probably tell the story, you know, jumping between all these different perspectives mm-hmm. without it just being a little too convenient sounding. Yeah. It's easier to believe the way that it happened, the way that he presented it. 
Yeah. It was exciting too, all the action on the boats and yeah, it was, it was a fun read. Like as I was listening, I was just, I was really enjoying it. Like as the Dread Sovereign was catching up, I was like, we're getting a ship fight. Uh-oh. Here we <laughs> yeah. go. Except yeah. that there was no cannons. <laughs> yeah. It was it all just funny. hand-to-hand combat on, you know, the ships as they crashed together, which obviously happens. Nuh-uh. It's all cannons. <laughs> in Pirates of the Caribbean, they did it actually too, but that was a real thing. Like they would just shove anything in the cannons and shoot it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a war. Yeah. We'll worry about our cannons later. I mean, I doubt you could do much damage to a cannon. Yeah, it's like 800 million pounds of iron or whatever. Come and take it. <laughs> Come and take it. Hey, Haas. Uh, Remember the Alamo. The, I know, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Uh, I always like that triple, um, triple cannonball or whatever that was like three cannonballs attached to a chain and it would spin and it would take out uh Oh, hell masts. yeah, dude. That yeah, shit take out- fucking rules. It was awesome. It's like chain shot. Yeah. And to destroy the main like mast of your boat. So you'd yeah. be just screwed. It's out a there. super like, like heavy duty. What do they call those? Like boleros? Where are you? Alista? No. Bolero. What is that? It's like. <gasps> oh, I've seen that. I think. Go on. Yeah. I got excited. It's like a. Emus? Like a. Kangaroos? Spanish invention, if I remember correctly. Or, you know, something vaguely Latin or something. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I looked into boleros. But it, it's like two heavy balls or whatever on like mm-hmm. a string or chain or rope or whatever. And you swing it around and you throw it and it wraps around people's like your like somebody's ankles or nice. an animal's, you know, ankles or whatever. And then you can catch them. I'm going to do that. It's a neat weapon. And the chain shot is just like a giant heavy duty version of that. Yeah. With a much wider range. So it's like right. you can as long as you hit it with the chain, like you'll mess that. There was this really dope up. pirate game on the Xbox called Sid Meier's Pirates. And you had three options for shot. You would have just regular shot and you'd have chain shot and you'd have grape shot. And they each had different effects. And the chain shot did more, you know, damage to mess. And the grape shot did more damage to the crew. It was like a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It was neat. That game ruled. It's interesting they took that element out of this. The, uh, the cannon fire. I think that there were archers, there's right? like a romanticized version of piracy where it, it, it's been a while since I read a history of pirates. It was this, you know, this book that I read a couple of times when I was younger and like ships that had just a ton of cannons were not actually that common because those, it was a very expensive kind of thing oh, to yeah. have, you know, that's why military ships had it because military, you know, throughout the history of the world always gets the most money from a country. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> So, like, obviously, like, big military ships would have them, and, you know, maybe a ship would have a couple here and there, but for the most part, it was a lot of boarding stuff, like what they did in this book all the time. Um, and so, it, you know, it was more realistic from that standpoint, but the cannons are exciting. I love it whenever it's, like, an 18-piece, like, broadside, just yeah. Yeah, tearing through the ship and stuff. It's exciting, right? That's like a, a Pirates of the Caribbean is the movies. Every time I see pirates, like, actually fighting other pirates, it's like... It's always so nasty too. They're like cutting all the ropes. Like you trying to sail out of here? Not on my watch. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. All of your ropes are messed up now. <laughs> like they definitely were having a splice rope a bunch back then because <laughs> they were just cutting everything, dude. I'm specifically thinking of a scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where he's walking down the uh, the side of the boat and he's just like cut, 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 like cutting right, all yeah. these ropes. Just like <laughs> nope, y'all he's are ruining all... it. Yeah, because I think everybody swung to the other boat because they thought that they were getting attacked and then they right, swung yeah. to their boat. And they were like, nope, you don't get your shit back. <laughs> like, you can't swing back because we're stealing your bigger boat. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the that. Because they had already, like, got it ready for them. How clever. Yeah, it was. 
Captain Jack. That's like the type of Locke move, you know? That would have been a right. Locke and Jean move. Jean yeah. is uh, Orlando Bloom, probably. <laughs> Actually, he's like, I'll be a pirate, but I'll fall in love to you. That is it. Dude, this is just Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you figured it out. Nice. In one book. Boo. That, this is where they got the idea. No. <laughs> it's based on a book, I'm sure. God, when did Pirates of the Caribbean come out? We were like in seventh grade. Yeah, like, oh, wait. Yeah, oh, one. No, oh, three. When it came out, I think. Yeah. I would bet. No, I'm, I would gonna, bet. I'm gonna bet a bet. bunch. Bet oh three, big bet. Bet just like the the cool lingo kids say. The you know? cool lingo kids say. There's somebody that I worked with at like, uh, Best Buy that said bet all the time, and it makes me laugh when I think about it. Bet. That's when he would have said it. Sorry to assume their pronouns. Yeah, it was a guy. His name was Eduardo. Oh, uh, speaking of pronouns, I was watching. <laughs> On Sunday, I watched this show called The Miss Pat Show. It was awesome, dude. It's uh, it was on BET Plus. I got it for free for a week. Oh, yeah? Worth it. I binge-watched all of it on Sunday. I didn't know if it was going to be good because I was worried it wasn't going to like translate with her comedy super well, but uh, Miss Pat was doing all the rounds on the podcast that I listened to, and uh, everyone that she had let listen to it was like, it's actually really, really good. Like, I think it's going to go far, and it like encapsulates your comedy perfectly. Like, And it was people that were honest. They would have told her if, yeah. it, if it sucked. Because some of them even said, like, I'm glad it didn't get like, I'm glad it didn't get picked up and you let it fail that time when it wasn't good because you showed me that one that wasn't good. <laughs> and this one is good. And then I watched it and it was weird from the beginning, like the first episode, like right off the bat, I was like, I don't know. This is a little odd because it was it was almost like they were they were doing a multicam thing. And it was kind of like Seinfeld, how they had him doing stand up in the beginning. But she was doing some of her stand up, but it was like the premise and the start for the uh, performance, but it came off like they were doing it almost like a play. Cause like she would be in a scene and then the scene would be built around her and they did film it in front of a live studio audience, but she would like do her set, her little, her joke or whatever. And she'd have a mic and then it would, it would flow into the scene that they were in. Like the first, one of the first scenes they're on an airplane. So it's like, she's on this like red uh, pedestal. And then as she finish her, finishes her set, she like puts her, like she kind of tucks her mic under her armpit or does something with her mic, but she has it in the scene, mm -hmm. but it's basically invisible because it was like, that was the transition that they did into it. And it got, it was really cool. Like it was just something I had never seen before. The comedy translated, it hit topics that were like the first episode was about school shootings. <laughs> it was really funny, man. Like I would recommend that show to everybody. And I just want her to do well. Cause I've seen her do comedy live and she's hilarious. She's so sweet. Yeah. Like I went to go take a picture with her, but like there wasn't anybody to take the photo for, for us. And I was like, that's okay. I don't need a photo. Like, I just wanted to say like, thanks and buy some merch. And she's like, Oh hell no. <laughs> she was like, excuse me. She like yelled at some girl. She's like, will you take a picture of us? And she like pulled some rando over to take a picture of us. And now I got photos of me and Miss Pat. Well, that's nice. She's just so sweet. Yeah. And just like, yeah, it's great. So that's why I was saying earlier that I wanted to bring it up on the podcast, but I'm glad I did because it was it was awesome. And and then I had just finished this book, too. So I was like, I didn't have I, I had no podcast to listen to on the weekend. And mm -hmm. then it was like, oh, Miss Pat show. And I just binged it and I watched all 10. It was great. Nice. So would recommend. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad that that positive thing happened to you. Yeah. Did you figure out the uh, when you were right? 2003. Yeah. <laughs> yes, dude, I'm good at guessing it. that for some reason. Hell yeah, dude. Nice. Oh, man. I'm usually within really like a couple of years, but it's not often that I nail the actual year. Yeah, I'm usually pretty cl like close. I yeah. never, I don't nail it very often, but I was like, yes. Um, that was a good movie. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. I think that movie probably, I mean, it's been at this point probably like three or four years since I saw it. But the last time that I saw it, I thought, man, this movie holds up. This movie fucking rules. Yeah, one and four are really good in my opinion. I don't remember almost any of most of the others. 
Well, four kind of just took a turn. It was almost like they pretended two, like two and three didn't exist, or maybe they pretended he was going on right, adventures. Yeah. It was Jack and a new adventure. Yeah. It wasn't like we didn't get cameos from everybody that we knew. And uh, it, because of that, I treated it like it was the first episode of a new show. Like it was right, a new yeah. Pirates of like the we Caribbean were kind of rebooting series. almost, except that Jack was still in it or whatever. Yeah, like Full Metal Brotherhood versus Full Metal Alchemist. I was just like, all right, this is a new version. Maybe they'll do mm-hmm. a trilogy of these, you know, and it'll be a different series, of, but it'll be in the same universe. And uh, because of that, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> like it's a brand new, <laughs> brand new pirate show. It was cool. It had a bunch of elements I really liked about it. It wasn't too supernatural. That made me yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> but it was cool and it had had some gorge ladies in it <laughs> that's usually penelope a bonus cruise. right i mean penelope oh that, that's the one with penelope so cruise pretty. i knew that she was in it i can't remember which one yeah but i don't think i saw past three so well i definitely imagined uh all the women in this book to be penelope cruise. <laughs> no, <What? laughs> no i didn't um for some reason i always i was always like jean or Locke and uh zamira zamira is, is her name right? Zamira Drakasha. She's the captain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I felt like Locke and her, like, not that they had a thing because I felt like she was much older than him. Yeah. I was, I was and thinking she that kids. she was like in her like 40s or something, whereas Locke is still like 20. Yeah. He can't be very old. He's got to be young. Something like that. Yeah. And he is like, I don't even remember what color my hair is. I've changed outfits so many times. I remember him saying that. And yeah. I was like, dang it. I, d- I thought he was a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just imagine him as like a little ratty, redheaded kid. Like, yeah, just like I imagine. Uh, well, I started reading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time books, and the main character in that has red hair. Oh yeah, yeah. So the graphic, I, I read, I started reading that one. I think before the others, and I had the graphic novel, and uh, it just had a handsome redheaded character in it. And I was like, ah, that's what I'll just use as the surrogate <laughs> for all of them. Yeah, but this can be all characters now. Thank you. This will be all redheaded heroes. I think that people also sometimes. You know, you want to see yourself and stuff. And I never considered myself a redhead, honestly. I mean, you're of all the people that I know, you are definitely the one with the second most reddish hair. <laughs> In the most is my, brother, long is my shot. Yeah, it was just more when I went to college, I grew my beard out and I was like, oh, I do have a lot of red right here. But like the top of my head hair is red as well. Yeah. But just I had never considered myself like the redheaded character. You're not like the Bill Burr ginger, but. Yeah. I mean, you are a ginger. <laughs> not a Weasley, all right? <laughs> yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not I'm the, the dramatic, adjacent. stereotypical one, but you're totally like a redheaded ginger kid. It's so funny that all the Weasleys had red hair and they like married other redheads. <laughs> so they just like were right. like Ginny. Well, Mo- Molly and uh, Molly and Arthur oh, were, right, were, yeah. were They're that, like the originals, you know? right? Yeah. And so that's why they all ended up with a bunch of ginger kids. Yeah. Exactly. They made it like all the Weasleys had gingers no matter what. And, and except for probably Ron and uh, Hermione's kids, they, like they might not have both been redhead. I can't remember. I think the girl was Rose. Well, I don't remember. <laughs> it fits with her name. <laughs> um, but back to Jean and Locke. I feel stupid every time I say Jean. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because it's a weird name that I don't say very much. It's not weird. It's just, it's just foreign, foreign to my yeah. lips. Yeah. yeah. It's and not, I mean, it's not common. I've never met anybody called Jean, I don't believe. I have only ever said Jean Luc Picard up until uh, these yeah. books. Yeah. Jean Luc. About Jean Valjean from Le Miserable? Nope. Does not exist. Oh, okay. Played <laughs> <laughs> by Russell Crowe in the film adaptation that they made back in 2016? 17. 16 sounds right, yeah. 16. I'm guessing you're right, 16. You're right, it is 16. That was, uh, 
That was a decent enough movie. I, I liked the movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I didn't know the story of Les Miserables. I had seen another like play adaptation at some point in my life. I don't remember. I mean, so I like, I, I was like, oh yes. And then that's what happens. But I didn't, it's not like I could recite it to you even. Well, do you have any notes? Hit me with a note. I don't have any notes this week. <sighs> okay. Well, the one note I took was that I thought, I thought the first time they went to go visit, um, Darkon. Thank you. Well, they had to visit both Rakeen and the Archon each time because Rakeen is like, every time you fucking talk to him, you talk to me. Mm-hmm. Well, which one is the one that was giving him the antidote? The Archon. Oh, okay. Well, that's... Dragos. The, yeah. So when, when they went to visit him and, and Locke drops his vial of uh, like peach antidote, mm-hmm. peach plum flavored antidote or whatever, I, I thought that he did this sneaky little sleight of hand and he saved it because they, they needed the antidote. So that they could figure out what it was made out of, then they could maybe make more to like cure themselves. Right. I, I remember that being like kind of a thin plot that they were going to try to do. And when he dropped it and the, the, the vial didn't shatter, I was just like, oh, that must mean that it didn't spill either. <laughs> <laughs> magic. And yeah, well, I just thought it might have been capped for some reason. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like these sneaky little, no, it was just like sneaky a, little bastards it was just like are going to try something on me. You know, just like that you would have a glass of whiskey in. Well, my Yeti tumbler has a lid. So. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure that Archon Stragos's Yeti cups also have lids. You think the crystal cups hold uh, temperature well? Uh, I well, I, I wouldn't ones? know. I don't know. Hey, what's the deal with growing crystals? Like, remember those kits as kids when you could grow crystals? Oh, it's, not, yeah. it's not relevant at all, but like they just have crystals that are fancy. Right, yeah. Are those out of sugar or something? Are they real crystals? I know crystals I, grow. I have no idea. I didn't, just grow, right? I didn't have the patience for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, in a sense, they grow. Does gold grow? No, right? No, I think that gold is just gold a rock. is like not refined by humans, but like refined by nature from other things. And it's just artificially rare, basically. I need a meteor to land on the ranch so I can just like harvest all the gold from it. There you go. That's how you get to the top. <laughs> <laughs> Something more rare than the lottery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was my one note is that I thought he did a little sleight of hand thing. But yeah. when we talked about it earlier, I was like, yeah, I guess that doesn't really fit. And, and I just I thought that it was going to work out because like he was going to give Jean like a double portion of the antidote, you know, and like, oh, well, I just have less time to live than, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. But uh, he ended up just giving him the full antidote when once they got it. Yeah. Yeah. Which was kind of selfish. Like they could have both chilled. Like if he has four weeks, they could have gone somewhere and tried to make more or whatever. But I understand why Locke did it because he he pretty much. He well, Jean was about to do the same thing to him, not the same method, but he was going to force Locke to take it. Oh yeah, well that's so. a good point. <laughs> they were you know they were both playing Locke, the same Locke game. Locke was a step ahead. He's like, <laughs> I know he's going to force me to take it. He's always there saving me. I just got to trick him to take it first. Yeah. Because I can't force him to take it. Yeah. <laughs> because him. he can actually hold me down <laughs> and make me swallow me. the fucking yeah. antidote. And I'm not going to spit it out. What a waste. Right. <laughs> fuck you now we're both dead <laughs> motherfucker so spiteful poetic justice they were never sick in the first place right <laughs> that'll just be what happens i kept expecting that to happen i kept thinking that they weren't going to be able to make it back one time and they were going to be okay is that going to make you mad though if we read in the next book that there had, was no antidote i don't think so because i don't i think because that the alchemist didn't have any reason to lie at the point that he hands over the antidote I think that the alchemist had no reason to not cooperate at that point. Um, the only reason that they didn't get an additional dose of antidote out of him was because Moraine kills him. So I think that it is like the actual antidote and it was only good enough for one person. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's only that there was ever a chance. If, if that was always going to be the way that he told it, then there was never a chance for the poison to be fake. 
Okay. You know the Emperor's New Groove, the vials in uh, oh, right. the laboratory or whatever? Yeah. That's kind of what I imagine when they're poison. <laughs> yeah. Just like little vials with like a skull on it. <laughs> <laughs> Llama! <laughs> Not a skull. That movie rips. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that was my only note. This this book was awesome. Like, it picks yeah, up the pace a, a really lot. Good time. I feel like a lot happens, but not honestly, like, when we start talking about it, it's like, well, not much did happen. There was a little bit less of the intrigue that I enjoyed from the first one. I thought the courtly affairs and all of that sort of stuff that were happening in the first one was missing a little bit in this one, where there was more actual, like, adventure happening. Yeah, the last one had more tones of gentleman, and this one had more hints of bastard. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, but so yeah, we're, we're due for more gentlemanly stuff in the next round. Yeah, hopefully so. Well, Locke started off being a bit of a bastard in the beginning. So like, yeah. it fits that this was the but bastard. Everything that they were doing, you know, for the Sinspire job was really interesting and mm-hmm. like in the same vein of what they were doing, like really complicated stuff and dealing with people more than action and physics and things like that. <laughs> Yeah, where, you know, it's just more of the mental game than, you know, the rest of it, which I really enjoyed from the first one. And then, like I always say, I I like boring stuff. So I always really like like courtly intrigue and stuff like that and stories and politics are always fun in stories, Uh, you know, unless they're like done very poorly, of course. But it is funny that they got the loot in this you know that they intended on getting it's just like it just wasn't the right loot yeah <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't like their fault <laughs> it was just yeah, like nobody, nothing they could have done about it it's it just like it. honestly like well that's kind of what you sign up for right like in your line of business yeah you could <laughs> just, accidentally steal a bad thing for sure which is it's funny that it's still worth something like it was silly the way they explained why it was worth something because it was the guy was like this must have been done with the originals in sight <laughs> so so that's why they're worth something because it was done by somebody with like enough skill to replicate it and because Right. Like yeah. he made it sound like it was better because they were looking at the original, which makes sense because nowadays I'm used to people just pulling it up on their phone and being like, all right, I'll copy the Mona Lisa like this. But like <laughs> this one, they would have had to have the originals. There's no pictures of it. Right. Yeah. Or many paintings of it. Mm-hmm. So that fits. I guess maybe that's why a replica would be more um, profitable in, in this era. Yeah. Yeah. Have a higher value. Or maybe that was the reason for replicas back then because it was like you could turn a pretty good profit from it. I mean, you probably still yeah. can, but. Yeah, because you can buy like really high quality reproductions of different things and they're not cheap. Like a Mona Lisa. I bet you can buy, I'm sure, a replica Absolutely. of that. that looks people cool would like to have something like that in their home. Yeah. People love that painting. Have you heard the rumors behind that? Like the conspiracy theory that it's him in drag, like that Da Vinci painted himself in drag? I'm not sure that drag. I've heard that one specifically. Yeah, That's supposedly he was like a like a crossdresser, and, <laughs> and he, he, so that was like I think a lot of people probably were back then. Probably. The Renaissance was nuts. Yeah. I also heard that once a society starts to focus on gender, like once gender becomes a, a, a topic of conversation and like the question of it, like that's like historically been <laughs> like at the end of dynasties, which is like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. I think it was happening like in ancient Greece or whatever, <laughs> like Rome and stuff like a different. Uh, they were like, like trying to unlock forbidden knowledge. Well, yeah. And like once they got to such a fruitful society where they could talk about issues like this, it's like right, that was yeah. when it was the end. It was, no <laughs> it was longer like, oh, okay. about like the raw survival mm-hmm. it was you know now you could start to figure out civil liberties and you know so think about that <laughs> things of high society so think about that guys we're at the end of the <laughs> that would be I so mean, sad it would not surprise me to be honest uh, so sad what a way to end yeah <laughs> the podcast uh well what what do you got what do you want to do for next week will for our book well uh, we're going to read what we've been reading because <laughs> we thought we were going to double record today, but I fell behind like an asshole. We're going to read Animal Farm. 
Yeah. Because uh, Jordan sort of just got a wild hair and wanted well, to read it. I listened it. to a podcast recently with, well, I've listened to several with this uh, lady that defected from North Korea. And she said that one of the books that really opened her mind to some of the th- like issues and things that were going on, not only in North Korea, but things she sees similar, like she's seeing similarities and different like political things that are going on with us now that like when she read Animal Farm, that was the book that like opened her up to yeah. really what was going mm-hmm. on in her country. And like, um, and then when you, re- when you read like the preface to Animal Farm and, and the fact that George Orwell was writing it to be like a political statement about what was going on, like the animals represent people of historical importance, mm-hmm. you know, and then reading it as an adult rather than in, in a sophomore year of high school, 10th grade. Right. Yeah. Like that's where, when I read it last and it didn't have any impact on me then, but later on in life, I've been realizing how important of a book it was. And, and I really wanted to read it. 1984 hit me hard when I read it the first time, but for probably different reasons than it would hit me now. I think if I read it, it's a little more in your face hard. Yeah. Like it's, it's obvious what the theme of animal farm is, right? Once you're about halfway through the second chapter, you're sort of like, Oh, okay. I get what's going on here. There's like, it's satire. It's a political statement that's happening here. But But 1984 is like, like immediately in your face. Like, you know, we're, we're talking about some big shit. (laughs) Well, it wasn't obvious to me, though, the first time reading Animal Farm, that Mm. it was a political statement. Like, I thought it was just a like a fictional story. Oh, okay. I didn't realize what it Mm -hmm. was, especially like now that I've reread it and the time that he wrote it. Like, he wrote it in the middle of the war, like in 1939. Mm. It was so interesting. and He couldn't get anyone to publish it. And he published it like at the end, like in uh, in October, November of 1945, like months after the war was over. They published this book. I was like, what? I mean, I took a bunch of notes reading it, but it was it was just fascinating reading it again. It's, it was a short read. It was a fun read. Yeah. Makes me want to read the other dystopian books that he's written because um, he wasn't ahead of his time or anything. It was just what was going on in his time. Right. Yeah. And it hits so hard because I don't know, some of the ideas I think are still relevant. So it was it, it just something, something I wanted to read. And I'm glad we did because yeah. even I think you text me and you're like, it is it has been fun reading it again. Yeah, so, it's very enjoyable. Yeah. Is it hitting you different than when you read it the first time? I, it's been so long, right? Because I, I think I read it freshman year, so I, I don't remember exactly what I was thinking at the time. I remember reading it and you know thinking like, okay, like I, I get what's going on here, but do I care? <laughs> You're also a lot wiser to the history of the world than I was back then. Like I, I wasn't good at history. I was already pretty it, engaged in that part. Yeah, yeah I, I was so, already looking into that pretty heavily. And now that I, I mean, I, I feel like you still. Back then, Will would know more about the history of what was going on then than I currently do. But <laughs> that's, I mean, that might be a leap, but well, I don't, I mean, I just, it doesn't stick with me that well. Like, I feel like I've learned some of the lessons maybe through history, but then rereading this has been like, okay, I get what I was supposed to learn yeah, <laughs> from, yeah. from it this time. We have a considerably more context to life exactly. now than you did 20 years ago or not that long ago, 15, 16, you know, something years ago. I see the point too, of why they wanted us to read it in school. Like, it's kind of interesting that it wasn't on the banned list of school books too. You know, like I I see why it wasn't, but almost kind of maybe why they would put it on a list. (laughs) And if if it does go on a list, I'm going to be like, "Uh Oh, like that's not good. We need our kids to read it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, we can talk about this next week or well, y'all can hear about it next week. We'll talk about (laughs) it sooner, but we'll talk about it next time. So read Animal Farm. Um, you guys know how to find us. Anchor.fm slash ears dash stamps. It has links to all our social medias. Um, but directly, if you want to go there, you can go to Instagram or um, Twitter at ears underscore stamps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you can email us if you want at uh, timestamps at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Ashley for the post-production. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, just read Animal Farm. Get ready for Dune. That's going to be a big one. 
It's like 900 pages. I was looking it up last night, yes. thinking about how to start planning it. The movie comes out October 22nd. Okay. So we need to plan it for that. Everybody get ready to read Dune and then watch the movie October 22nd. Because that's what we're wait. doing during that time period. Also, I believe that uh, at the end of this, or in a, in a week or so, the Witcher movie is coming out. So check Ooh, that out, guys. One. Gonna, yeah, that one's, we're definitely yeah, going to watch that and bring Witcher cast one. back, even if it's just for a bonus episode for you guys. But Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely, definitely going to be talking that, about so. that. Witcher season two is going to be coming up this, uh, you know, coming winter, December 16th, if I remember the exact date correctly. So get ready for Witcher cast return. Yeah, the rebirth of Witcher cast yeah. it's coming back. You'll get a taste in a week or two. But Those will be bonus episodes because yeah. watching a couple of episodes of a show is considerably easier to do than reading. So those will be. What did we decide for bonus episodes? Saturdays or Mondays? I can't remember. I think we were doing Wednesdays and Fridays for some Wednesdays reason. and Fridays. We'll figure or, it yeah, out, we'll figure it out. It all depends on when Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones always came out Sunday night, right? So we did Mondays because we wanted to talk about it the day after. Yeah, I think New Game of Thrones is coming out soon too, right? Next year, beginning is next it, year. Was it a Targaryen one? I think so. No. I think early next year. Tell you what I don't care about. Well. That. We'll talk about it. maybe actually i don't know we'll see we'll see what else is happening at that time yeah check out anime too will's will's not as into my hero but i'm gonna want to talk about it so even if we just do another bonus episode i'm way behind on my hero right now i'm way behind on everything about it i'm way behind on life right now man well all you have to do for now will is finish is finishing all time yeah the remaining 25 pages or whatever that i couldn't do yeah, we need to do some of that research we were talking about, too, before. Yeah, I think that that'll be beneficial for, for us to have, yeah. you know, to, to edify ourselves a little bit further before well, talking about it. You guys know what to do. We'll see you all next week. I'm Will Hedrick. I'm Jordan Schaffer. This is Dog Ears and Timestamps. Stamps.